All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today we have Dustin Moore on the show. We have literally talked for probably five seconds. I don't even know you, but you know, this is, I'm, again, I'm going on the, the, uh, I'm just trying to do this from now on and hit record without adding all these extra meetings to my daily schedule, which I'm, I'm hoping you will appreciate, which is, you know, people trying to get more stuff done in less time, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and you know, a lot of times the first take you get, you get some of your best brilliance anyways, right? Yeah. It's just, you know, it's more real and people see how, I guess, more smart or less smart I am. However, however they want to judge that one. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. One thing you said to me that was, um, why don't you just give me a brief rundown anyways? Like, you know, what do you do? Kind of, you know, what's your title? Not that I care about titles whatsoever, but you know, shoot. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm a little bit of a of a weird kind of IT guy. Uh, my undergrad is in music. Um, I have my uh, MBA, so uh, I'm really interested in business, uh, sales, and marketing, and things like that. Um, but I'm currently in a IT manager role, um, and w- within the company I work for, um, I kind of move around from department to department, uh, uh, either restructuring or. Uh, applying uh, certain types of business practices within the within the department, and basically just trying to add efficiencies and effectiveness to them, so that the company as a whole, um, you know, kind of kind of profits more from from each area. So this is uh, this is my fourth or fifth position in about four years, and I've worked in in marketing and in sales, and uh, done, I do a lot of uh, data analytics. Uh, even now, a data kind of drives my day to day. So even even from an IT standpoint, data uh, is extremely important to me uh, because it helps us to, to gain efficiencies as a as a team and as a group within the company. And now this is the, honestly, this is the perfect convergence for me, which is uh, sales and marketing and IT all in one because where I came from in the past, usually IT and sales kind of butted heads, both from an external perspective and an internal bureaucracy perspective. But here you are, sales and marketing. Um, I don't know, you could say, you know, born into sales and marketing and, and you are the, you know, kind of the IT director here. And what, now the, the premise of this show in general, it kind of when it started out and kind of how it grew was, you know, eliminating the cost center mindset as IT and, and using IT as a, technology force, you know, multiplier, uh, to drive sales and to drive money to the bottom line. So how do you, and, and of course you're going to understand that if you're a sales and marketing guy, yeah. but how do you do that internally where you're at right now? Or how do you take data or how are you collecting data and making the correct correlations to transform an IT department? Right. So, so really that, that comes down, down to just a couple of things from, from a sales standpoint and really a marketing standpoint, I, I guess really you need to start at the marketing part, right? Because the, the marketing world has really advanced and is, and, and has, uh, has created this tool set, right? And well, really, it's been created for the marketing world with Google and and Bing and, and Amazon. Just, and, just real quick, let's just just kind of uh, brief over some of those tool sets. I mean, are we talking like Google Analytics? Are we yeah, talking Facebook yeah. advertising? Are we talking, yeah, you know, Amazon and zip code analytics and and doing some kind of split testing and taking that data and making changes and all that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So, so Google has come along and, and kind of revolutionized how, how we digest data and, and marketing really took that on 
in, in the beginning as soon as they could with with uh, Google Analytics and Google AdWords and and Search Console, just being able to combine those three really powerful tools um, and and being able to, and even from that standpoint, Google Tag Manager really giving all the mm. power to marketing departments mm. to to digest data and then to turn it right around and apply it into their situations. Right, so that really boosted uh, the marketing world exponentially over the past ten years. And and the really it became a you know technology is not necessarily a complete advantage for companies anymore from a business standpoint. But that that was uh, the first time that. Uh, marketing was able to apply massive advantages to companies, you know, if they adopted it early. And even now, the the adoption process of digital marketing is still uh, pretty weak compared to very weak uh, overall it takes business nerds. strategy. It takes yeah, it does. To di- it does. It takes nerds to to digest it, but it takes nerds that um, actually, you know, um, can talk to people and understand marketing and want to kind of make that translation. So yeah, exactly. And there and there's this expectation though, like for the company I work for, there's this expectation that marketing needs to be on the front lines of everything that's coming out. So everybody in the marketing department is, is really challenged to be on the front line of technology and at least to evaluate it to see if it applies to the business business process here. And, and that's so, tough to honestly, oh, like, yeah. it's very tough because there is a lot of on my list today and I was getting ready to fire and cancel like a bunch of appointments before, right, right before we got on the call. Cause I was like, is this just shiny object syndrome? Is this just another <laughs> right. marketing? Is this just another marketing thing that I could, you know, go down the rabbit hole and spend a month developing some kind of thing that, uh, you know, you, you kind of, I think from a sales and marketing perspective, you kind of have to ask the question, what's the fastest path to the money? And right. The, the ROI the, aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like what's the most direct path to drive money to the bottom line? And, right. and we got to pick, you know, like three, we can't pick, uh, or even one, we got to pick kind of like one funnel or one channel. We can't, or two channels. We can't have, you know, 15 different channels and, and funnels into the business. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's that's the difficult part. That's where right, really marketing intuition still still reigns supreme uh, in that in that industry. So, um, you know, intuition for, I like that. So, but really, I mean, is it intuition or is it data? So, so it's both and right because the the fact is you can it, and well, and I should say it. You you have to know what what is good data and what's just lazy data, right? So, <laughs> uh, especially from Google, they make all data look good, and that they. They make all data points important, but really there's there are certain KPIs or, or key performance indicators that that you want to focus on to make sure that your ROI is 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 truly there because if you you know like CPC or PPC advertising in itself, um, you know, if you look how Google proclaims um, important <laughs> over over KPIs, it's it's how many impressions did you get and how many clicks did you get? And I'm like I don't really care. I'll take 10 impressions if they all convert versus 100 impressions that don't convert, right? Like so, it depends on it depends on the segmentation of the market and is a segmented what what segment of the market is is seeing your ad or what segment is seeing this and and who's clicking or is it just some, you know, random or is it just another marketing guy uh, just seeing what kind of ad you wrote? 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I think making sure that whatever you're doing from a marketing standpoint, making sure that it's meeting the goals of the business, right? And and your goals are going to be a little bit different than than someone else's, and and your your market and your and your use case for those platforms are are going to be different as well. So it is important to make sure you have really well defined goals, and then apply the the marketing strategies to those goals. That's a that's a big deal. And but but the, the truth of it is now all of that can be um, can be data driven, and that the mm-hmm. intuition of the marketer comes in to where you un- you understand those rabbit holes and and understanding sooner than later which ones to not go down. Being able to digest the data and interpret it in a way that that you see the the signs early on that that's not the direction we need to go before we start spending more money there. So because you kind of have to test everything to really get an understanding and know. Uh, if it's going to work for your use case. Uh, and so the sooner you know it's not, the sooner you can hop off of it, get to the next thing. Because honestly, there's too much to get to anyway. So whoever gets through the most, the earliest, you know, typically gains the advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's kind of the marketing world in general. And then when you step over into the sales world, uh, and there there is a transitioning happening now, finally, but the, the typically the sales world is so <laughs> I don't know what you behind. meant by that, but I'm, I don't know what you meant by that, but we'll, we'll keep, keep going. Yeah. So, I mean, the sales world is so far behind from a technology standpoint, right? And there are companies out there who are trying to trying to change this. And, and, and this is where the whole concept of inbound marketing came from because marketing got so fed up that they were like, there is, there, there are, there is market and sales potential out there and we're just going to force it on the sales team. Like that's what inbound marketing is. So, um, like we have we have guys internally who the, all they do is take calls. They don't they do no cold cold calling at all because the marketing has taken such good advantage of the tools out there that they are literally forcing the potential in every market within the U.S. to where even if the sales team wanted to be inept, they can't be because because. The sales are, are coming in because of how well the marketing has been doing. If well, that's this, like a dream. That's like a dream kind of. Mm-hmm. A dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, companies but, that really understand that the potential there can can really gain an advantage. But so so we we've, we've been able to, to do that, and I and I've been able to do that multiple times just in, in my career. But I think at, at this point, the sales teams. Um, you know, are while while the. Let the me ask you this though: Are you guys B two B or are you more B two C? Because so I mean, both, we're talking, we're talking both, log splitters, kilns, edgers. I mean, are you reta- more retail? You know what I mean? Because it does make a difference industry to industry. Yeah. So we are actually both and. Um, we, Let me ask we, you this as an IT director, just as an example. Mm-hmm, yep. um, you see an ad for um, telecom consulting guy. I right. mean, like, are you more apt to actually click and go order your telecom and consulting and stuff like that from an ad? Or are you more apt to use a channel of, you know, professional advisors and people that you know in the industry? Oh, dude, I'm networking all day. Exactly. Right? Like, I'm so going, from that perspective, that's old school sales. From that it, perspective, that's sales. But if it's log splitters, right. I'm probably Googling it. Yeah, I'm yeah, all day. You so it depends. You know, it really depends. Like, I'm not going to trust my... Um, global MPLS backbone um, based on a Google, maybe my research, my research would start there. Yeah. Maybe. You know what I mean? But that's kind of like the, I guess the, I don't know, the, the, the opposite or the, you know, it's, it's just a different balance. I guess it depends on the industry. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point too. And I, even, you know, honestly, from a marketing standpoint, you know, uh, marketers don't typically run ads for themselves. 
you know, they, they, they get their gigs typically by networking because only, there's only a handful of marketers that can even compete from a Google AdWords or from a display market standpoint because you've got to have a massive budget to do that. Um, and so, you know, most marketing agencies today are growing by word of mouth and by their successes. And, and that, that's a really good point. Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to reach out to telecom anything or, or, you know, any kind of service-based thing like that, just on a whim off a display marketing campaign. Um, so that, that, that is a good point that that old school sales piece is still there. But I, but I do think that can be enhanced from a digital standpoint, especially if it, if it can be driven by, uh, by data and by touch points and the sales team really um, being able to harness the power of, of the data that they have available to them. Um, I think in that case, it becomes more of a pushing, you know, I don't know, genuine knowledge-based piece to articles, you know, content type of marketing. You know, content yeah. marketing in that world, I guess, is very, very important. And, not, and I'm not talking the content marketing that's, you know, the same white paper that everyone has disseminated via <laughs> yeah. partner magic quadrant. You know I mean, I'm not talking that. Um, I'm talking things like this podcast right here. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know I mean? Some, something that's like more real where people can kind of digest it and say, okay, that applies to me very specifically, but from a marketing standpoint, it has to be segmented. I, I think we need to segment more and more and more nowadays and get very niched down. Uh, for example, I know that I serve mid-market IT directors and people like yourself that serve anywhere from 200 to 1,000 end users because I know that you guys have to do a lot with very little. I know that mm -hmm. you have a classroom full of 100 people. I don't know right. how many, I mean, how many end users do you have? Uh, roughly 800 globally. And how, and how big's your team? Like uh, people that you have, like you know, help desk team, people supporting those end users. Yeah. So here in the here in the U.S., we've got uh, there's eight of us, and then we have a European um, group as well that has about eight as well. So sixteen total for the globe. Okay, so you're like a, it's like if for you know what one to fifty ratio. That's pretty good. Yeah, unless but you got it, a lot of unless it's software development, you've got other guys doing coding and stuff like that that would never talk to people. Yeah, and there's about there's there's about three or four on the call center side, and the rest are developer programmers. Yeah, so okay, so yeah, it's like going to class in college with 200 people in class. And exactly. How is the teacher going to talk to each individual student personally? Um, they're really right. not unless that person raises their hand and goes up and 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 takes someone out of line, and then that creates all kinds of other problems in the IT world. But anyways, the, the point is, is I know that that's what this podcast serves. It serves those people. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not this kind of wide, broad, again, you know, hey, you know, we're serving all these people at once. You just can't do that anymore. Right. And, and the kind of the way I always looked at, look at that is, you know, over the customer journey, um, the one key point that matters is that you are empathetically connecting with the customer at all points. Uh, because if, if, empathy, like if empathy ever drops from the conversation or from the approach, then it's, it's just another sales pitch. It, it has no difference um, and has no care for the customer themselves, and 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 I think empathy in itself it can only be applied by having a certain level of, of knowledge of the customer, right? And this is this is where data really comes into play in the sales team. This this is really one of my primary focuses now as as IT manager because I get to take a team and really push them 
you know, to support sales. And like you said, there's always this disconnect, right, between uh, really what's happening on the sales side and maybe even the marketing side at times, but and 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 the IT department from development and and and, and programming. So, and that um, might be because sales guys are like the ultimate um, shadow IT perpetrators. Uh, yeah. Know? <laughs> I <would think. laughs> they're, like, they're all the, the, the like the top sales guy is probably the most arrogant guy in the company he's right. probably like i can do whatever i want i don't care i broke my computer give me a new one and then the id guys are like you know, who the heck's this guy yeah yeah exactly so they don't have any empathetic connection with him anymore because he's you know even though they should because <laughs> he's writing everyone's yeah. pay i'm writing your paycheck so get me a new computer you know so yeah like how do you make that connection that's a, it's just right a, and, and, and you kind of you kind of see like the you know the emergence of Salesforce. I mean, that, that, this is really how where they got their start. I mean, the, the our goal right now as a team is to is to give all the data of a customer to the sales team. I mean, just as fast and as efficient mm. as, as they as they can get it, right? And mm. and to do it in such a way that really they don't like they don't feel the burden of the data because it can like so, you know some customers it. There's so much there; it can be overwhelming. But but to give it to them in a way that they can digest it, and as soon as they start having a conversation with the customer, they really have an understanding if that customer is in our system and if they've gone through some of the uh, programmatic marketing uh, applications we've we've put them through, and you know where have they been on the website? Really, what are their interests? And and they're able to start the conversation now mm. at the point of okay, I see that you kind of understand who we are. Now let me learn. Uh, why you need to know more about us. Let, let's find out, you know, you know mm. we, we kind of constantly say we sell dreams. We don't sell products, we sell dreams. And with our products, I mean, people are able to make their dreams come true. They start businesses, they they literally build their homes with them. Um, they, they do all kinds of cool stuff like that. But uh, giving all the data to, to the salespeople enables them to have uh, really kind of a, a, a higher power of empathy to, to drive at the customer, right? So now how do you make that? I, I got to ask you, how do you make that translation from Salesforce that can be used so wrong in so many companies yep. um, that can just be the annoying database? How do you make that translation to, so, to providing real data? Because that yeah, that there is the key because I can't tell you how many Salesforce accounts that I have had in the past with numerous different companies, and it was just, um, I think you you hit on it earlier. You know, the place where you enter in, um, you know, invaluable, unvaluable, non-valuable data. Right, and so, and we we don't use any of those platforms. I'll I'll tell you up front. We we have developed our own um, order management, account management, CRM type platform that that we're always expanding and building. So it's our internal internally fed. And one of the nice things was before I came to IT, I spent quite a bit of time in sales as an account manager, as a sales rep, and also as a guy who just wanted to push data everywhere to everybody at all times. Mm, so mm. I you know I actually took on a a, a, a BI tool that I. I kind of started developing myself because I, I couldn't get the sales data fast enough. So finally, they just gave me the connection to all the databases I wanted. And I just put all the data where I wanted it and, and modeled it how, how I wanted it to be modeled, right? And then, uh, and then I, would, I would apply some principles to that data. So, so from that standpoint, I was actually seeing the data that we have available to us while at the same time having the conversation with the customers. 
And typically, this is something that, that's missed is that, you know, IT comes along and says, we have all this data, we have all this data, we have all this data. And the salesman is like, that doesn't help me at all. But, but there's never a conversation between the two. And so being able to sit down and, uh, and actually make the sales and, and, and have the conversation with the customers and kind of develop my own sales process that, that, and I wanted when I developed it, I made sure it was you know we, we could imitate it over and over and over again and pass it on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so building these sales processes and applying data to the processes, I found out which uh, which pieces of data are the most important. And then as we're, since we have our own internal uh, uh, platform that we develop in house, I could tell them what data I needed where, and they were able to apply it in, and I could tell them which data I needed to be able to manipulate as a salesman, um, which data points, you know, did I really need to, to care about as far as from a harvesting standpoint, every time I talk to the customer and, and we got it all the way, we've got it all the way to the point now. I mean, we can do a quote for literally any of our products, um, with, with all the data points that I need to service the customer with, uh, and, and I can have that done with anything in about three minutes, um, mm. depending on the conversation I have with the customer. So now my tool set doesn't hinder me. Mm. Um, my, the, the, all, having all the data at my fingertips, that doesn't hinder me anymore. Now I can just naturally have a conversation with, um, with the customer and all of my tools come with me in that conversation. And so we got kind of, we kind of kind of built it now that the process that happens within the tool set is the natural process that happens in the conversation with the customer. So now we've taken all the hindrances away. We've given all, all the, the, I guess, the pertinent data that you need to really have these conversations with the customer at, at the salesman's fingertips. Now all they have to do is take care of the customer. And so they get to really be salesmen and sell. Um, from that standpoint. So, so that was kind of the connection we've made. And we're doing more and more of that from, from every aspect. Um, but as an IT department, we're really, really trying to drive that while also balancing, you know, security and legacy equipment and all that stuff. You know, we still deal with, with every piece of that. But from a sales standpoint, we, we have focused heavily in enabling our sales team. That's uh, pretty amazing. Uh, it, there's two things that just make me just two questions I got to ask, but mm-hmm. one is, has this been a, like a significant baby step process over the last, I don't know, two to five years, or was there a significant implementation that you made at any given time that, you know, made a significant difference? And the questions go on and on and on. Have you tracked, you know, have you tracked business growth? And can you say, here's when we implemented this and here's where we can see how this affected the sales staff. And here's here's the feedback we grabbed from the sales reps and how do we communicate with them? And do we use, um, I don't know, uh, you know, like do we, um, uh, what's wrong with me? Survey our people and ask them and how do I sit down and have conversations with them and round tables and all that. Just, I mean, there's so many questions here. Yeah, so uh, I can kind of give you some insight into the process we use from from a development standpoint, which which I think is really helpful in understanding how we rolled this 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 process out. So my primary role, um, I and you know I'm not a coder, I'm not a developer. I you know you don't want me doing that. I, I can read most stuff, but as far as making things happen, I I struggle there. But um, 
my primary goal is to actually go and I sit down with all of our departments on a regular basis. I actually take a walk through our front office every morning. Um, and because I look at all the departments as my customers. And if you were able to literally have a face-to-face with all of your customers every day, would you not do that? Um, because when you, I feel like when I do that, it, it helps them to realize, okay, they're here for us. Like they're in the building. I mean, we have a cave of an IT room, right? Like we are really in the middle of the building, no sunlight, where the server room is and all that fun stuff. So, so Sweet. And, do, you, do, you, do people ever slip food under the door to you? <laughs> no, <laughs> wish, wish they would. But um, yeah, so, you know, so, so I make sure I'm out there and in front of people and, and being able to, to kind of just have general conversations with the different man, management of the different departments and stuff. And, and that, that really helps. But then I sit down with all of them and I say, okay, what's going on? And we do, we do customer interviews, if you will, with, with every department within the company on a regular basis. And, and we build out um, scopes and, and SOWs, just like if you were an IT company who's you know, trying to get, get uh, work from, from other companies. That's how we function now. And so, so we get the scope, we get the, the statement of works and, and we build out all of that stuff. And, and I build out even like uh, UI proposals and things like that so that they can, uh, they can get an idea of, of really what we're able to do. And then I, I come back to my team and, and, and I'm like that conversation piece between the two. And I say, this is really what they want. And if we do this, like this is really going to help them. Um, and so I'm able to temper the expectations on the, on the client side while at the same time um, helping them to understand what is actually possible with, with our scenario. And so we've, been a, we've made a lot of headway just that way. And when I hand that to, to our team, our internal development team, they love it. They're like, I know exactly what to do and how to do it. I don't, even, I don't have to think through any of the processes here because I see exactly what you're wanting and I know how to, I know how to implement that. And so... Over the past year, we have had so many big successes that, I mean, my guys are hungry for it. Like they want to take on more projects because, I mean, they're just, they're kind of rolling in success at this point, which is, which is where you want to be, right? You don't want to have a bunch of failures. So from an implementation standpoint, uh, we take, we, we kind of look at a full project. And then we break it down in, into sections. We, we figure out which sections are reliant on other sections, which sections can be developed at the same time. And we kind of we roll those together and we, we put a, a plan together. Uh, some people probably use Gantt. A lot of people call, you know, this would be like maybe part of the agile methodology or DevOps. And there's all these names for it. But the fact is like, we're such a small shop. We can't really be any of that truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we apply principles from each one that really allow us to to be better as a team as a whole um, without getting caught up in the methodology so um, so we we apply where where it makes sense to apply in other words in other words make it happen in yeah words, make something happen can, can yeah. we, like ultimately what's the ultimate goal of the business and that's you know to make money and right. we're not going to make money if we don't have you know, happy people, excited, wanting to be able to make money in the easiest way, you know, and helping other people make money because no one's going to, I know any sales guy is not going to go sell at any organization where it's hard to sell. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know what I mean? So you're really helping everyone be happy. 
Yeah, and and being able, you know, having that process to be able to roll things out quickly is 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 important because that's you see ROI faster when you can develop faster, right? So so then uh, once we kind of finish those pieces, typically there's a little cleanup and whatnot, but but we are able to say, all right, this is kind of when we completed this. This these are the efficiencies we've gained, and we kind of do that analysis. But so you know. You ask kind of how are you able to see that from a from a sales standpoint and and really uh, I mean last year we hit our biggest year ever um, and so and uh, or sorry year before last we hit our biggest year ever last year uh, we were right just a tick under it um, and we've we've made a few modifications we built new manufacturing facilities we've we've kind of been limited from that standpoint so so now we we're really are, are pushing hard um, to to again, have another record year. So uh, when we can go back and, and just basically identify certain things that have helped boost us along the way. So you, you absolutely can't see that as long as you track all this stuff. I mean, it's, you just have to do a little bit of um, due diligence just to, you know, apply yeah. that tracking. So most, uh, most IT directors, IT leaders, managers, CTOs, CIOs that I talk with, um, very strangely do not have mentors. I would say about 90% of them, at least the people that I've asked so far, like who's your biggest mentor? Can you think of someone in your life that really made a difference? That really taught you something? And most of them say no. Um, And I think that's due to the nature of technology and the nature of the job they've been in. I would, if I had to guess, I would say that you have had mentors and you have had people that made a difference in your life. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's because, and I only say that because, you know, you've, you kind of like started the conversation off like, Phil, I'm really not an IT technology guy. I'm more of a sales and marketing guy, but clearly you are an IT guy. It's just, you kind of, you're like the, you're like one of those few that are like both like kind of maybe right and left brain type of thing from right. marketing and, and IT world. So I don't know many IT guys that have, I mean, many sales guys, sorry, sales and marketing guys that haven't had numerous, numerous mentors that made a difference in their life. And I'm asking mm-hmm. you, who is that person? Sure. So I've had, I would say I've had quite a few. So the first thing, most people who say they haven't had a mentor, especially I'd say in the IT world, is it's not really true. Usually YouTube has been their mentor, but like, like okay. there's something, there's something so out there. A, a soulless bot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe okay, whatever great. it takes, right? Yeah. Um, so I, or but they I wouldn't was, say soulless, they would say, what do you mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's, I got you. Uh, some okay. kind of nearly living bot. Um, so I, I think that, uh, for me, it's it's not really been one person. It, it's a it's a conglomeration, but it's never it it has nothing to do with IT. It has nothing to do with sales. It has nothing to do with marketing. Um, the the greatest thing that that people in front of me and with me have ever given me is is really how to how to assess situations is is a key point, and then also how to be a life learner. Those, those are the primary two. And I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of people who are, are, are both really good at both of those things. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, pe- people who are willing to understand that um, you do not know everything um, <laughs> are, are the people who are going to have the most success. When I, when I sit down to tackle anything, the first thing I do is, figure, is try to figure out what do I not know. Um, In other words, someone that's so, I guess the word's kind of, arrogant or they feel that they are they have reached their pinnacle of learning and have reached such a high level of success that they're almost their mind has shut down and they've been closed-minded to other solutions 
yeah, they've, they've arrived, you know, and that's, that, that, that's the biggest success suck out there. You're not going to make anywhere out, you know, if you ever think you've arrived, you, you have officially failed. Um, and I think, I think that's one of the, one of the greatest things that, that people have given me. I know, um, in, in the sales department here, we had a, a, a guy, uh, named, uh, Dave Mann, who was, uh, he was the sales manager and I kind of worked under him for a while. And, but he had been here for 30 years. I mean, everybody in the industry knows this man. Um, and just sitting down with him, we never had sales conversations. We, we had conversations about how are you going to improve today? How are you going to learn to care for others today? How are you going to serve others well today? It has nothing to do with sales uh, necessarily, but it has everything to do that affects really your, your whole life. And, and if you apply those, those base principles across your life, then you are probably going to do better in the sales world, you're probably going to do better in the marketing world. Like, like that's, mm-hmm. that's really the only reason why I've had any success in the IT world because I, I do not consider myself complete. I need to learn more. I need to continue to grow. So, and, and I, I have this, I don't know, I have, I have this leaning towards, I really like to teach people. That's one thing I love to do. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. want to make people better. That's, I love it um, when I'm able to do something that enables the success of others, right? So, 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 how can I remove roadblocks? How can I um, make sure that uh, everybody has all the tools that they need? Like that, like those are kind of some of the things I, I think mm-hmm. about a lot. Um, well, you that, like to teach people that want to be taught. I, I would assume. Uh, yeah, I, I would assume you love to teach people that want to be taught. I would say go have a bunch of kids, and then you'll really hate to teach people. Um, <laughs> See that? So that's not that's not entirely true. So, like I said, my undergrad is in music, <laughs> and I have always, uh, since uh, early on in college, I've always taught music lessons. Um, and you know, I've had um, autistic autistic seven year olds that I've that I've I've worked with who um, have always had difficulty with learning, but was able to approach them in such a way that they absolutely fell in love with music. They they weren't they you know, I've had adults who. Um, who are in their 70s and 80s, you know, who really are kind of done learning in a lot of senses, but, but they uh, looked for this desirable thing. And so I think you can always find something that people desire and, right. and we can that, engage them. Like a waking the giant within, like, like Tony Robbins would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to yeah. be, you know, um, cliche or anything. But sure. The... Yeah, I'll never forget. There's certain things that people say to you over time. You know, if I asked you, hey, you know, what did your last Wednesday look like? It's probably a blur. I mean, right. I don't know, unless something really striking happened. Well, I got struck by lightning. You know, unless something really <laughs> happened crazy that day, you don't remember. But we remember these these bits and pieces that, that um, you know, that of people that really had an effect on our lives. And I can remember um, this guy, Harry Clagis over at Starbucks, like who was our VP or, you know, or market or, you know, managing wh- whoever he was like the, the market yeah. director or something, you know, a long time ago at Starbucks years ago. And I just remember he was in my store one time and he just said, uh, you know, the biggest factor he was talking about, you know, when we hire people, like what, what should be some of the biggest things that we look for when we hire people? And he would, he just said coachability. He said, anyone that's uncoachable or he might've been talking about, you know, having coaching conversations with people and giving feedback or, you know, whatever it was. I can't remember. All I remember is that he said, you know, his biggest kind of thing that he wants in people is coachability. 
Yep. Anyone that can take feedback and learn from that and not kind of close down and give excuses and take it personal, you know, like any, anyone that can take coachability is, is, is someone that can grow. That's right. You would take coachability over anything else. Yeah. And, and I think, I think coachability then translates into uh, potential unmet and, and you don't, you never want to work with someone who has kind of met all their potential at least exudes that because then you're, you're just in trouble at that point, right? Like you're, you can't get anywhere else. You can't get past where they are. Um, and I, and I think that's critical. Um, so, and I, and I think this is a, I think this is a lifelong thing. I don't, you know, I, maybe there's a mentality shift. I mean, I'm still fairly young. I'm only 36, but maybe there's a mentality shift at some point that will try to creep into my life when I'm 50 or maybe when I'm 60. And I'm, I'm not saying all older guys like this, but as we gain experience in the world, um, I, I am curious as to as to if there is this, there or there will be this time in my life where I'm like, I'm just, I'm kind of tired of learning new things. I'm, I'm kind of tired of experiencing this stuff. I, I always have that curiosity because I can't, I can't imagine it. Because it is right. so, it's so exciting to learn new things and to take on new adventures that why in the world would I shut that off? Like, That's like stopping living. That's like the, yeah. the farce of retirement. Right. And, and, the farce and again, of, you know what I mean? Like, cause I've seen people, I just, I'm, I'm thinking of particular people in my mind right now, but it, it makes me sad, but you know, yeah, I, I've really seen does. people turn other people down and get frustrated with people because it takes them away from I just want to sink in my chair in front of the football game and go brain dead right right and that and, and that's not and helpful to anybody ang- you can see the frustration and kind of the anger and the tiredness and the impatience and these things that kind of come out of that you know what I mean whereas you know, like, hey, we can kind of renew ourselves and continually continue to renew ourselves and 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 have a purpose. Right. I, I think you know, kind of applying that to the IT world. You know, if if you ever get to that point in the IT world, you're you're about to get lost. I mean, with how fast everything changes, if you're not if you're not willing to at least at least kind of stay in the game from the standpoint of of learning, just just and the knowing universe will move. Don't worry, the universe will take care of you. <laughs> the universe <laughs> will move you out anyways or down. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like we moved you down into the the basement. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, so I have, I have a really good stapler. <laughs> I have a really good friend who's coming up on retirement age, and he uh, he develops in cobalt. And uh, and I, and I always ask him, I was like, "Are you ever going to learn another language and try to do something else?" He's like, "No, the insurance, con- you know, and the insurance industry is stuck in this language, so I've got a I've got a job for life." Like he he has no desire to learn anything else in in his industry. He do, he does other things, but but like yeah, that's okay. He, I, mean, I told him like he'd be a nightmare to manage from that standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, you know, but that's okay. Like some people, you know, uh, work to live. Like I, I've been, you know, some of these themes that come from the show is like, you know, like, hey, we work to live. We don't like live to work. You know? Yeah. Some people yeah. are like, hey, it's okay. You know, I'm okay coming in and, and taking orders and, and doing my thing and punching in and punching out and going home and, uh, you know, whatever, you don't know, flying drones or whatever the heck it is I want to do at home. You know what I mean? Some people are okay with that. And, you know, I guess, um, you know, we need people to execute as well. It would just be nice if they also said, you know, hey, you know, we might want to upgrade systems here. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, but yeah. So, wow. Hey, uh, so, okay. So 36, I'm glad that you said that that is young. Uh, I'm 43. I try mm-hmm. to 
think of that as I'm, I'm getting, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I should be reminded of the grave. Um, <laughs> you, get to, you get to some point, you're like, man, half my life's over. What, what was, that? uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, and how long has been freaking long so far? <laughs> um, no, um, what was, uh, your first computer? How'd you get started in technology? It's always just fun. I just want to know. Oh gosh. So, so I'm from Podunk. Six years difference, you know? So. Yeah. So I'm from Podunk, Nowhereville, uh, Mississippi. And, uh, my first computerized anything was a Nokia brick phone. Um, in, uh, 2002, I think is when I first got that thing. And I really, um, as far as that was the first it, electronic anything that I kind of owned. Right. Cause I grew up in backwoods, man. We were, we were barefoot and you know, uh, <laughs> shooting squirrels out of trees, man. Like it was, Hey, I was shooting squirrels out of trees here. It, yeah, I mean, I my mean, town where I'm look, I'm looking out the window right now and there's only uh, 1300 families in my town. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, I mean, I don't know if I can hear the banjo playing in the background. <laughs> it's the Northeast. You know what I mean? It's more That's like, right. but, uh, <laughs> so, so I mean, that was kind of the first real kind of tech thing that I, that I own outside of like Nintendo like, and stuff like that. Okay. So you did have, you had an end. Yeah. 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 But that, you know, that didn't mean much. Um, okay. so, um, and then I don't think I owned my first computer until I was probably, I don't know, 22, something like that. Um, didn't was really it have a was it dial up back then or did we have something better than dial up? Okay, so I didn't have my first internet connection that I paid for until yeah. well out of college. Oh well, yeah, we had like what what did we have back then? What was the free net zero? I mean, net was, zero, yeah. Was it net yeah. zero? Yeah, yeah, everyone had that. Yeah, that's right. And like, then this uh, is free, I don't have to pay ten bucks. <laughs> I don't have to pay ten dollars. <laughs> I really took advantage of like the college system and, and all that yeah. stuff. I always used all of their stuff. I never had my own. Um because they were like, oh, we've got enable technology. So they just gave you everything, you know. Mm. You could get on a computer wherever you want. I mean, the, the music program I was in for all of our labs, they installed, I don't know if you remember those multicolored um, Mac or Apple um, desktops that they released. They were like pink and red and blue. And they, man, they were ugly. Those little cubes, um, like the kind of cubes that people turn into fish tanks now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's it was just a cube. Yeah, yeah, it was like a weird rounded edge, ugly. So ugly, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Bad. really terrible. But I saw yeah. someone turn that into a fish tank the other day. I was on Craigslist, and they're still trying to, and no one would buy it. And I think they were trying to give it away for free. Someone still doesn't want it. You know? <laughs> that's so funny. It wasn't that bad of an idea to you know hollow it out. But anyways, um, and it has been a pleasure. So, is there? any one best practice or piece of advice that you would send out to mid-market IT directors managing uh, old falling apart silos and just sitting debunked in the corner and not caring? I mean, I don't know. Is there any one piece of advice or anything that you would send out there to anyone listening or a best practice or something that you've kind of like, hey, you know what? If I was to write a book or a little short five-page white paper would be about this one tactic. Is there anything like that that you have to, to give out? Uh, you know, from an IT standpoint, um, uh, so I'll kind of give you two. I'll give you one that's not functional and uh, completion on its own, but one that is. So the first thing is to listen. Uh, listen and then, and then serve based on what you heard. Um, don't, don't, don't rush into assumptions uh, from an IT standpoint. I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls. Uh, okay, so we that. forgot repeat. So we forgot listen and repeat back. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like, oh yeah, I got it. I got it. Don't worry. Yeah. Did you hear me? Did you understand? Um, <laughs> like, this is what I heard you say. Right. Yeah. You said, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so so yeah, listen, uh, acknowledge and repeat back and then serve that purpose. Yeah. So, so that would kind of be the, the, the one like maybe philosophical type type approach. But then from a functional standpoint, um, you know, one, one thing that I've learned and I've dealt with directly and, 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 and it's kind of impacted me um, is to uh, make sure uh, you understand the technology you need for the business process you're trying to apply it to. So make sure you match up the right technology to to the to, to what it's needed for, um, I think that's one of the hardest things to do at times. Um, I think we struggle with that at times, but but don't lock yourself into certain technologies. Um, allow yourself to to become more technology agnostic when it comes to applying um, uh, solutions to to user needs or business purpose and needs. Um, I, I know the more we do that, the more success we've had. In other words, you don't have to be a Cisco shop. You don't, don't have to be a Cisco shop. I hope Nothing this doesn't get flagged. I hope this, yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to flag myself here. Right, you know, right. I get like cease and desist letters. You know, no, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Cisco. Nothing right, wrong. Right. Let me make that very clear. It's great. You just don't have to be a Cisco shop or, or you could, or it is a potential that may, maybe you do want to be a Cisco shop. It's just, mm. you don't, you're not going to pigeonhole yourself. Yeah, maybe not everything uh, works that way. I, I got one really funny story story for you before we, we kind of jump off here. But um, so our marketing department, we're, we're moving to a cloud-based platform that's, that's on Linux. So we had the, the idea to spin up a Linux server. But then we thought, you know what? Really, if we just had an Apple Mini in here, it would be that that would, could serve as kind of the, the server we need and we could be e- easily uh, duplicated and all this stuff. It's, really, it's an iPhone 4. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, we just, we need some, you know, we need this Apple <laughs> thing in here. And so, uh, so we named that, um, uh, everybody agreed that was the best solution. This is a Microsoft shop all day, but everybody mm-hmm. agreed that that's, that was the best approach, but they did name it Hoth, which is the, the frozen planet in Star Wars uh, because it was officially a, a cold day in hell in our IT department when we got that, <laughs> got that Mac wow. Mini in here. So, um, so just being willing to, to approach it that way, I think is extremely important. So, <laughs> I've got some derogatory terms that I have heard from many IT guys about people that use Macs and iPhones over the years <laughs> and what they call them. And it's basically I and then fill in the blank. That's right. You got, and yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyways, those would be, that would be like a, a list of me, like memes. And I think that might be, that could be like a viral post. Let me write that down. Yeah. You see, I fill in the blank. That's right. Okay. Um, I'm not starting that. Um, it has, <laughs> man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure as well. Thanks for having me. 